Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. We hope you enjoyed the message. I'm glad you all are here. We are uh, in a series, a seven-week series of messages uh, that we're calling Sent, S-E-N-T. We are sent by God as witnesses for Christ. Uh, the subtitle of our series is called Every Believer a Witness, and we're, we're taking these seven weeks uh, to learn how to tell our faith story in Christ in an easy and effective way. And uh, you can you can do that. So everyone needs a set of notes uh, each week. They're in the they're in the baskets under the chair at the left end of each row in the offering basket. So if you're sitting on the end of each row, if you'd reach under there and uh, pass that at least pass the stack of uh, uh, notes down and uh, grab a pen. Everybody's going to need a pen. And uh, while you're doing that, let me remind you where we have been so far. We are. Uh, uh, in week one, we learned how to uh, overcome our apathy in uh, witnessing for Christ. In week two, we went to the Bible in Acts chapter 26, and we found an outline that God gives us in his word, uh, uh, an effective outline, a way of telling our faith story. In week three, we did a workshop in this message time. And we, uh, uh, I had you write out a first rough draft of your story. Uh, in week four, last week, uh, we took some time and went to the scriptures uh, to discover uh, how to uh, overcome our fear of witnessing. And we remember we said, you'll never completely, more than likely, eliminate uh, any bit of nervousness, but we want to give you the ability to reduce your fear and increase your courage so that you are faithful and effective in telling your faith story uh, in Christ, uh, whether you're fearful or not. Increase our courage. Now, today, <clears throat> I want to I go back and um, we are going to teach you uh, a few uh, more things about this. But before we do, remember, I gave you some homework last week. And what was the homework? These people did it, so we're going to come talk to you. Share your story with two other people. Just read your story with two other people. And so I just want to hear from a couple of you uh, how your homework went. Who, who, would, who would pop up? Ah, Shannon. Okay. Here we go. And uh, so tell us, uh, the said, how did you get into it and what did you do? Well, we did it at Life Group, and our Life Group leader told us that that's what we were going to do. <laughs> that's what life group was going to be was uh sharing our stories and uh i had never ever verbally shared my story before so um it was scary but i was in a safe place and uh it was good oh good yay yay way to go give her give uh, encourage her a little bit there would you okay yeah, we've heard of uh, several of our life groups that did this together. And you life group leaders, I recommend that you uh, hit the brakes on, on what you've been studying, maybe this week or next week, and take the time and just let everybody go around and read their stories. It is an, it is, it'll be great practice, and it will be a very powerful fellowship builder because you'll learn things about each other that you didn't already know. Good stuff. Who, who's next? Who else? How was your homework? Ah, oh, Porfirio. 
This is my friend Porfirio Mejia. Tell us how it went. So it went pretty good. Uh, I actually shared it with uh, my kids last night. And uh, we had them together for supper. And uh, they've not heard all my testimony. I was saved when I was a small child, nine years old. And so I just was able to share with them what God is doing and what God mm. has done in my life. So it was just a good family night. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thanks. Thanks. What a, what a, give, yeah, say, uh, way to go, Porfirio. You know, that is uh, something I realized that I need to do as well. I have assumed that, you know, my girls growing up renting in the, in the coach's office, um, know all my story. And, um, so I, I realized that's, you know, I may have not sat down with them since they were little bitty girls and told them, uh, this. So that's on my, uh, to-do list, uh, before we finish up this series. So why don't you take the time this week and be sure you have that conversation with your children, with your, if they're at home or your adult children, wherever they may be, get them on the phone, uh, maybe even FaceTime and say, I want you to be sure to hear and know my, my story. I'm actually then going to take a draft of what I've written out and mail it to my kids and my grandkids so that they'll, uh, they will have that powerful, powerful stuff. Way to go, guys. Well, this week, I, I want us to spend a little time refining our story just at the, at the first part of this talk. And so be sure to grab a pen, get your note sheet there. And, and here's why I want to do this. Last, uh, two weeks ago, I told you I want you to develop a, a three to four to five minute version of your faith story, your faith story in Christ. Uh, but there are many times uh, in, in our everyday life when we don't have four or five minutes. We've got 45 seconds to a minute and a half with someone, but you realize a door has opened. And um, so today, I want you to work at refining your story down to, let's call it the elevator ride from the top of the tall building down to the lobby story, that you can get it done in an elevator ride should someone ask you and open the door. How's that? So um, we're going to do that, that very thing. You know, this is a I've got a few minutes, I've got a, a, a minute, a couple of minutes at the, at the mailbox with my neighbor at the end of the day. I'm on the elevator. I'm standing uh, at the MARTA station uh, waiting to catch the next train and in a conversation and the door opens up. That's where we, that's where we are here. So take a look at your notes there. Remember, here's our outline. Number one, my life before I met Jesus. So most of you have already done a little work on this. Some of you, this may be the first time. That's okay. But uh, I want you to think um, a little bit about your life before you met Jesus. Think again about your circumstances, where you lived, how you acted, how you thought, how you felt about your life before Jesus came into your life. Now, I came to faith in Christ as a young boy, nine years old. And so in my elevator ride version, I have really refined it down to just a, just a few seconds. But let me read to you what I have written, and, um, and then I'm going to give you just a couple of minutes uh, to refine your own story, okay? Okay, okay good. Thanks. <clears throat> so here it is. Uh, let's say that someone asks me about 
my, my life and uh, in some way I have an open door. And I say, well, I grew up in a small town called Bremen, Georgia, not too far from here, in a, in a great family, a warm, loving family. I was a, a happy kid who, who liked his family and liked his friends and liked his school. Boom. That's when, when I'm in, I got elevator time, that's as much as I tell right there. So you take two minutes and refine your own story there on your note sheet. Ready, set, go. Okay, I'm, I'm, some of you are finished, some of you are not, but you, you get the point. Let's just, if you're not finished, keep working on that. Keep refining that to get it down uh, to a, a little more pointed, precise um, uh, bit of communication. Now, second uh, point in your outline, in our outline of our telling our story is how uh, I came to accept Jesus into my life there in your notes. And... Um, Again, as we, we shorten this down to the elevator ride, be here you have to be very specific. And still, we must include the gospel. Now, here's a reminder you know, of the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus and why that was important, what that meant uh, in, our, in our story. Uh, just a reminder, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1, 3, and 4 on the screen says this, the Apostle Paul says, now I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And so here's, here's the elements of the gospel. And uh, so we have to include that because Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says, This is where the power is. Uh, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So remember, your story, your faith story and my faith story are merely the delivery system uh, systems or the vehicles uh, for delivering the good news of the gospel to someone. So it, it must be included there. And, uh, and let me speak to those of you today who, like me, came to faith in Christ as a young child. Um, sometimes I will hear you say, well, you know, I don't, I don't really have a decent testimony. I didn't get into a whole bunch of stuff, you know. I, it was not dramatic. Um, no, 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 no. You have the best testimony. You have the best testimony. But you need to understand, you were saved from the very same hell everybody else was. And you were saved by the very same substitutionary atoning death on the cross and resurrection from the dead of Christ that everybody else was. It, it, your salvation was, in, was, it was needed such that it still took all that for you. And so you have a powerful story. You just tell how you came to faith in Christ. Now, I told you last uh, two weeks ago, I came to faith early. Um, I didn't have a lot of time to, to mess up a whole lot, but I, uh, I already knew there was something wrong in me that I found myself wanting to disobey at times. I thought, uh-oh, something's wrong with my wanter in there. But here's, here's, what, I, here's what I wrote in my elevator Story. It's the largest part because it's the most important part. So in my conversation on the elevator, I would say, and I'm just going to read it to you. When I was a little boy, my grandfather 
died suddenly, and it rocked my world. This was the first person I ever lost to death, and his death made me begin to think about life and death and life after death and how that might be possible. So I began to ask my parents, who were both followers of Jesus and active in our local church, questions about these things. I began to listen to my Sunday school teachers and and our pastor when they explained that Jesus was God but became a man, lived a sinless life, and went to the cross in our place because of our sin to pay appropriate payment for our sin and then rose from the dead to prove that he was who he said he was and that he had the power to do this. And that if I asked him to, he would apply this to me personally. And so one evening I quietly asked Jesus to do that for me and I committed my life to Jesus. That's how Jesus came into my life. Boom. That's what I say. So you take two minutes, refine that part of your story, ready, set, go. All right, let's move to refining the third part of our story. There in your note sheet, number three, my life since Jesus came in. Now, if if you are like me and you came to faith in Christ as a child, I mean, there's been a lot of life pass by in my life since Jesus came into my life. And so I'm I'm not going to tell all of that, but here's here's what I... uh, Here's what I say. You know, remember, we're, we're communicating not that you become perfect, but that you changed. He brought about a change, and that's, some of those changes are continuing. But here, here's this elevator quick story, elevator ride quick story part of my, my story. So immediately, my concerns about death and life after death went away. I've never worried about them since that day. Now, not every day since that day has my life re- lifestyle reflected the fact that I was a follower of Christ, uh, but Jesus continued to uh, forgive me, and even when I have fallen, pick me up and keep me going in the right direction. Boom, that's all, that's all I say. So uh, I let them know there's a whole lot more I could tell you, uh, but the elevator stopped. So, and it's time to go. So you take two minutes, refine that story. There'll be something. I tend to focus when I've just got a second on the first immediate change and benefit that Jesus brought to my life. Maybe that would work for you. So take two minutes, refine that part of the story, and then we'll pick it back up. Okay. You're not finished. Again, just keep working at that so that you end up with at least two tools in your spiritual uh, ministry toolbox, Uh, a more expanded version of your story, four or five minutes long, and a 45-second to a minute-and-a-half elevator ride uh, story, and you'll be a little bit more uh, equipped. Now, I always end my story with a question when I'm share with someone, I will ask a question, has anything like this ever happened to you? And if they say yes, I say, well, tell me about it. And they'll tell me their story, and uh, you can tell if they're on track or not. But if they say no, I say, well, if you'd ever like to hear more about this, I'd, sometime I'd be happy to talk to you about it. I leave the ball in their court. And they'll either follow up. It's a way to tell how receptive they are at the moment. You just go as far as God's Spirit has opened the door with people and you leave 
the door open for them. So let's shift gears. Take a look at your notes. Um, I want to talk to you about how to turn conversations to gospel conversations, how to take advantage of open doors, how to recognize the open doors that you have to tell your story, and then um, how, to, uh, how to approach them uh, when you do. So how do we get started in a conversation. There are at least four ways. And here's the first one. Jot it down in your notes. Listen to the people around you. Listen for people sharing experiences like yours. Now, you have much common ground with every other human being on the planet. There are some things that we all uh, are concerned about and all things that we encounter. Like you might overhear a friend or a neighbor or a coworker or a um, or someone around you who who is uh, expressing an experience they have of caring for their aging parents. Some of you are doing that now. You're in that, right? Right? Sure, sure. Uh, Honoring your parents by caring for them when they need help uh, in their old age. Uh, Some of you uh, might hear people talking about uh, a grandchild being born. How many of you got grandchildren in here? Raise your hands really quick. Look at them. They're, They're smiling. Do you ever talk about them? Right, right. Yes, we talk about our grandkids. And so listen uh, to that. It's some common ground conversation. Uh, an upcoming wedding or maybe some difficulties in life like a, uh, going through a divorce or marriage troubles or having problems on the job or maybe some financial pressures. Or like me, I'm particularly sensitive to listening to people who've uh, just recently had the death of a loved one. My mom died in November and I'm just hypersensitive uh, more than ever right now uh, to people who've lost uh, uh, a loved one. And so if you're, if you're having uh, any of these experiences, you can enter into conversation. I had one the other day, again, listening to someone who'd lost uh, a loved one and how they were wrestling with it. And, and I just said, yeah, we, I just said, you know, my mom died in November. And, uh, but, um, I was there with my wife Allison and my two sisters and some of the grandkids uh, arrived and we were standing around her bed when the young uh, physician, emergency room physician, surgeon came in to talk to us and I recognized the look on his face. He was going to have to tell us what we most really already knew. He was having difficulty getting into it and I said, "Um, well, I appreciate you coming to talk to us, but let me set you at ease. Go ahead and tell us the real deal. I said, "My, my mother is a Christian, she is a, is a young girl, repented of her sin and placed her faith in Jesus and surrendered to him as Lord of her life. And she's assured us of that, that when she leaves here, she'll go to be with him in heaven. Um, every one of us around her bed are followers of Jesus, and we know the same thing. We know that this is not all there is. And we find that he, he's, we don't want her to go, but we're comforted by his grace. And so you just tell us the deal. And he did. And so I was able just to say, Jesus helped us in that, in that moment. He said, but I got to share the whole gospel right, right there. So you just um, listen to the experiences of, of, um, of other people. Psalm 96 verse 2 says, each day proclaim the good news that he saves. All around you every day there's opportunities to do just that. Very quickly, very easily very effectively. Second uh, way to get into these conversations is this. Listen for people sharing emotions like yours. Man, we Americans are, we love to talk about our feelings. In fact, we stop talking about thinking. When we're talking about thinking, half the time we say feeling. 
Instead of saying, I think this about that, we say, I feel this about that. We don't even know how to talk right. We're so into our feelings. Um, uh, and so we, we, we express our emotions in all kinds of ways. We even created these neat little things in social media called emojis. Yeah, yeah. And who would have ever thought years ago that Disney would have created a kid's movie all about emotions? Good grief. I wouldn't have paid money for that. You know, give me some dragon and something. But, I, you know, but they did. They did. And so emotions, listen. Listen, people are expressing some uh, and emotions that you have experienced or maybe currently experiencing, like depression or fear or loneliness or uh, anger or hurt, fear. I, um, I've shared this. In, I'm just telling you a lot of the illustrations out of my own experience, but um, sometimes if people express to me, you know, I, I am afraid, there's a certain situation, and I'm afraid, and I, said, I, would, I say, I will never say that I know how you feel. And don't say that to people. You don't, no one knows exactly how another person feels. But I can say this. I know what it feels like to be afraid. So I was afraid one night. I thought my daughter was dying. And they sent me home from the hospital and I was all alone. And, and I, I was walking the floor. I couldn't sleep. And I prayed my favorite prayer. I'm a follower of Jesus. And I, so I prayed to Jesus. And, I, and I, my prayer to him was, oh God, oh God, oh God. He knows what that means. And... Uh, and he comforted me out of the blue. He calmed me down and gave me peace. And we, he calmed my fears. That's all I said. So, boom, you're able to relate to the emotions that you've had. Now, don't make up any, you know. You don't tend to honor God by being a liar. So, uh, but, but if, if people have had emotions like you've had, then respond um, to those. Another way to get into the conversation, number three, listen or look for opportunities in current events like terrorism or unfairness or uh, um, tragedies, war, or like this past few days, the drop in the stock market. Can I get an amen? Yes, amen. The people talking about the stock market had an adjustment. That's a nice little word, isn't it? <laughs> My stock market had an adjustment. And so um, you find people talking about their fear of uncertainty. You know, life is uncertain. And so um, uh, you might say something like this. I've said, I'm so glad. Years ago, my wife and I, uh, we're followers of Jesus, and we came across this promise when we were in grad school and ran out of money. And it's about a, 10 days till paycheck and ran out of money and then ran out of food. And we came across this promise in Isaiah, I mean, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, where Jesus said, Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And he just calmed us down, and, and he made provision for us for the rest of those, those days till the paycheck came. It was really a good thing. It was a faith builder for me. Boom, just leave it there. So uh, you, you find... Uh, ways to talk about life uh, circumstances. I love this verse. Look at 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, verse 6. I may not be a trained speaker, but I know what I'm talking about. Uh, and that's you. You say, you may not be a trained speaker. You don't have to be a trained speaker, but you know you. You know your story. You are the expert on you and what Jesus has done in your life. 
And so you know what you're talking about when Jesus has helped you with events and emotions and, um, uh, and life uh, circumstances. There's a fourth way to get into it, to turn everyday conversations into gospel conversations, and it's this one. Make leading statements. You make statements that lead into the conversation. Like, um, instead of just saying, wow, what a beautiful day we have, say, well, didn't, didn't God give us a beautiful day today? God, all of a sudden, boom, you've entered God into the conversation. Uh, you make leading statements that show your colors early. Like, you know, I was talking to a buddy of mine uh, after, after worship at our church on Sunday, and it could be... You know, it could have been about, you're, you're, it's, the, it's the day after the Super Bowl and everybody's talking about it in your own break and you got a cup of coffee. And, and as you start to make your comment, you just say, I was talking to a buddy of mine, you know, before the game, after church yesterday, and we were wondering how such and such is going to happen. We, all of a sudden, you have declared your, you've shown your colors. You make a leading statement. They make my comeback and say, so you, you, you attend church somewhere? Yeah. You know, why do you? Why do you do that? Well, you know, I became a, boom, you're into your story. Well, I was a little boy, grew up in Bremen, Georgia, and here's my dad, granddaddy died and met Jesus and went to church. You know, I mean, you're just, boom, you're, boom, you're right there. You see, it's, you, you make leading uh, statements. Now, I am, I don't think quickly on my feet. So I think about these things ahead of time. In fact, I had to study all week to get up and tell you what I'm telling you now. I mean, I don't, I'm not fast on my feet at all. I have friends who are, God just seemed to have wired them uh, up that way, uh, but leading, one, one in particular, God is always having him, using him with these leading statements. His name's Ron Proctor. Ron uh, used to, before he retired, he traveled a lot, and uh, he told me that one day he was in, uh, up early, uh, working out in the, uh, in the uh, weight room or the workout room of a hotel where his meeting was that day. Some say, I don't remember what city it was. And he finished his workout and he decided to step into the sauna. And so he stepped into the sauna. There's one guy already in the sauna and they kind of nodded at each other and he, he sat down and it's just kind of quiet. And so the guy looked at him in a minute and said, it's hot as hell in here, isn't it? <laughs> and Ron said, no, it's not. Now I wouldn't. I'm, I, you know, I, I wouldn't have thought of that, Joe, but he did. No, it's not. And the guy said, "What? What?" He said, "It's hot, but it's not hot as hell." He said, "How do you know?" He said, "I read a book about it." <laughs> and and the guy and they what book? And he said, "Well, I, you know, I got I, I read the Bible, and here's what it says. And matter of fact, it says everybody's going unless they get help." You going? He let. <laughs> I mean, he did. It was just, he's just as calm. And he said, well, you don't have to go. He led the guy to Christ in the sauna. So just, but, you know, but one leading statement. No, it's not. Hey, now you can use that one. You just wait till this August in Georgia. Somebody's going to say to you, it's hot as hell out here, isn't it? And, and you say. No, it's not. There you go, right there. I can't wait till August comes. We're going to have a, a great harvest of souls, uh, uh, people coming, coming to faith. Now, here's why this is so important. Here's why this is so important. 99% of the people that are going to wake up tomorrow 
are not going to have one solitary thought about their eternity. Where they're going to end up in eternity. What are they thinking about? How to get through this day. How am I going to make it today? They're, They're thinking about their kids. If they've got kids, they're worried about their kids. Or they're worried about their health. Or they're worried about their, um, their job or problems on the job. Or they're worried about their finances. In fact, I mean, the national poll shows it's, it, it's, number five is marriage. <laughs> we probably should move that up the scale a little bit. But they're worried about, their, they're worried about how, am I go, how are we going to get through this day? How are we going to get through this day? And so you have to start where people are, not where you wish they were. Uh, and Jesus was a master at this. There's a great example in the Bible in the Gospel of John chapter 4. He's traveling, comes to a little village in the region of Samaria in the heat of the day, stops at the well outside of town, and a solitary woman comes out with a water jar to draw water for the day. She needs water for drinking water and water for the chores around the house. And uh, she doesn't speak. He's, Jew- he's a Jewish rabbi. She's uh, a Samaritan woman. She's drawing the water, and Jesus, Jesus just starts where she is. He says, can I have a drink of water? Boom. From that question, not only did she come to faith, but her entire village came to faith over a two-day period. You start where people are with the normal events of, of, uh, of every uh, day. Uh, author Lee Strobel writes in one of his books about a friend of his who was uh, traveling uh, out of the Chicagoland area. He was waiting to catch a flight at O'Hare, and uh, here's what the man said. He said, I was waiting to catch my flight, and I got to the airport early, so I had a lot of time, so I was kind of roaming around the concourse, decided that, uh, to go get a snack to take on the plane at one of the snack shops there on the concourse. And uh, I was the only person, only customer in the shop, and there's a man behind the counter. And he says, I got my snacks. I walked him and paid for them. He said, I sensed a nudging from the Spirit of God to tell this man my story. <gasps> and I was too afraid. I let my fear. I didn't. I let my fear overcome my courage, and I I walked away. And he said, "I got down the concourse." And he said, it was "Just like God's spirit was poking me on the back, saying, hey, 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 you still got time. Go back.'" And so he said, "I went. I went back." And he said, "I didn't. How am I going to get into a con? I don't know this guy. He doesn't know me. He's going to think." I, he said, "I came back in. I'm looking around again. The guy kind of looks up at me and nods, like, Are you back already? What did you forget? Something.'" And he said, "I was trying to figure out what to say." He so I walked over to the uh, the sunglass rack and started picking up sunglasses and looking at them. And I said, "So these are nice sunglasses?" And I'm thinking, "He's like, oh, that was dumb." And the guy said, "Well, yeah, they're okay." He said. So these sunglasses will protect our eyes from the glare of the sun, right? He's, yeah, they, they will. And he said, oh, and he's thinking, and he thought to himself, oh, that was so dumb. That's awkward. And then he said, it just came in, he said, wouldn't it be great if we could find something to protect us from the fires of hell? <laughs> yeesh, didn't that make you, yeesh. And he said to himself, oh, that's so Oh, so stupid. That's so awkward. And the man behind the counter 
said, I think about that all the time. And he led the man to Christ in the shop. You just never you just pay attention to the promptings of God's Spirit. You see, when He prompts you, He's telling you, I have already gone ahead of you and prepared the way. Prepared the way. So go. Go. Just do your best. Just show up. And uh, I will use you magnificently. Let me give you three tips here on, uh, on witnessing in your notes. Jot this down. It, it is, number one, it's different sharing your testimony in a one-time meeting than with regular friends and acquaintances. In a one-time random meeting, you may need to quickly share your elevator ride version of your, your story. But with, with friends and acquaintances, uh, you, you know, I have been investing in uh, and sharing the gospel with some of my family and some of my friends and some of my neighbors for years. I'm, into, I'm up into double-digit years uh, with, with, with many of them because, listen, people are not your project. They are, they are valuable relationships. I mean, if you don't love people, what are you even doing? If, you don't, if you're sharing the gospel but you don't love God and you don't love the people, what are you even doing? Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, we do this out of love for Jesus and love for people. They will enrich your life and they are valuable and will be a blessing to you whether they ever come to Jesus or not. Some of the people I love the most and who enrich my life the most are some of my extended family members and they are not followers of Jesus. But I love them. I can't wait to be with them. They are treasures to me. So they're, they're, they're incredibly valuable and so you be strategic over the long haul with friends and family. Now, I'm, I'm saying... And I'm not saying procrastinate, still show your colors early. And in fact, for some of the friends and family members, you may have to go back and apologize. Like with one of my favorite cousins years ago, I realized he had seen me come to faith in Christ as a kid. He'd seen me wander off during my high school years and come back in college. He'd seen me be called to ministry and I was years into being a minister and had never talked to him about it. And so finally, one Christmas family gathering, I asked him uh, go for a while. It was one of those beautiful Christmas days here in the deep south, cool and crisp and sunshiny, and we went to walk around the block. I said, I got to tell you something. I, I apologize. I said, I have, you know, I came back to Christ and got called into ministry, and I've been doing it, and I've never talked to you about that. I'm sorry. Is it okay? He said, oh, you don't have to apologize to me. And I said, well, here's what's important to me. And boom, we were right there. It just took care of all that. And some of us have been disobedient children, but we've not been living like followers of Jesus. So we might have to come back to our people close to us who've known us all these years and just say, that's why you say, well, it's hard to witness to people close to me because they know me. Well, what you're saying is, is I've been disobedient child of God and I've never confessed it. So confess it. Go to them and say... You know, I'm a follower of Jesus, and you know that, but I have been disobedient to him, and you know it because you helped me with some of this stuff. (laughs) That's what I said to some of my old high school buddies uh, at at one of them's funeral. The rest of the crowd was there, and I said, y'all helped me with a bunch of this stuff. And I said, but here's what happened, and I'm sorry. I need to ask you to forgive me. They said, you didn't forgive me. We don't don't need to forgive you for for anything. But I was like, but then it's done, see? And you can talk about your faith in Christ. Second uh, thing here I want you to jot down. Expect 
mixed results. While the Holy Spirit may go ahead of you, it still expect mixed results. Uh, look at Acts chapter 17, verses 30, 32 and 33. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. There's the first reaction. Others said, we want to hear from you again on this subject. I want, we need to hear more. And, and, and the third group, some of them believed. So expect the same kind of results. Some people will blow you off. Some people will be interested and say, I need to hear more about this. I'm not ready yet, but I need to, I need to hear more. And some will come to faith in, in Christ. So expect, expect that. And third, remember this. Inviting people to church is good, but it is not going. It is not witnessing. Now, you know we have one of the values here, one of the practices we have as a church family is inviting people to dogwood worship services. I want you to go out when you leave today, go by the information desk to the right, get a big handful of dogwood invitation cards, business-sized cards, keep them on you all the time, invite people to come because they'll hear the gospel here. But that is not the same as sharing your story and sharing the gospel. So let's not confuse the two. Got it? Good. Pray with me. Let's pray. So, Lord, I pray now that you would help us as we refine our story, that you would make us fine-tuned instruments in your hands of sharing the good news. I pray for every one of my brothers and sisters in Christ here that you would give them open doors for the gospel. Help them to recognize people expressing their experiences and their emotions and responding to the events of life and help them to make leading statements that would open doors and give them the power of your spirit to share their story and the gospel easily and with great effectiveness. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Now, here's what I want you to do. Homework this week. Read your story to two more people and then let us know how it's going. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you would like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword DOGWOOD to 77977 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and to give.